Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. It is such a privilege to be here with all of you. And last time we visited, you were outside. And uh, we, were, we were so glad to be here and so glad to leave um, of the, <laughs> because of the sun. And then, uh, and then Jamie said, would you preach for us on August 1st? I said, are you going to be in your new building? And he said, we're probably going to be outside. I said, I just feel the Lord saying, next time I come, you need to be in the building. And, uh, and, so, and then he said, no, really, Drew, I want, you know, we're probably going to be outside. And the Lord was humbling me and said, okay, no, it's, it's not about being comfortable. God, for you. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, um, and then you guys moved in here. And I felt like the Lord answered my prayer. I was like, <laughs> yes. He said, Jamie wrote and he said, you're going to have to do two services, though, if you don't want to be in the sun. And I, I was like, to bring it on. Like, we could just do this thing all day in air condition. <laughs> but anyway, we were, we were so blessed to be here about a month ago. I don't know how long ago. And, uh, and just really see how the Lord has grown. You know, when we were, we actually came and were leading worship um, at this. I know we were at Ditton, but at, uh, the, at the time, I think it was the grapevine in the golf course. If any, was anybody here during those days? Okay, so we have some. I don't know if you, if you remember doing worship there. And uh, we, we had this song, and I remember Jamie coming and saying, look, um, people don't really do happy, clappy songs, but you do. And would you bring your happy songs? Because, so, you know, worship can get intense all the time. We're so in, in, not intense, but like serious all the time, right? Let's get serious. It's like, do your happy song. And we had this happy song called the Father's Day where everybody had to clap and, and, and give high fives and turn around. And it, I mean, it was really kind of, you know, real classic, classic charismatic stuff, you know? Like that's where we got the name Happy Clappy. Now we, now we probably get the name kind of serious, constant, oh yes, Holy Spirit. I don't know what we are now, but we were Happy Clappies back in the day. And Jamie, you loved that. I don't know if you remember asking me, would you do the Happy Clappy stuff? So um, I feel like I'm just kidding you guys up and giving high fives, but I think you already did your meet and greet. So you've had your Happy Clappy time already this morning. But we had some really wonderful times in, in worship, and we've been on a journey, I've been on a journey of just learning to worship more and more, and uh, learning to have a lifestyle of worship, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And God's been good. I mean, I, I, I remember how crazy it was. Well, let me go back a little bit. I remember when I was 15 years old, and we were in a traditional church, we had, had not heard of the Holy Spirit. We not, this was not the norm. Back then, it was like very rare to have these kind of churches. And uh, we were in this church, and I remember someone sang a special piece, and I clapped, and a deacon came over and said, we do not clap in church. <laughs> And I was like, oh, oh gosh, yeah. And that was my first kind of lesson that worship is, this is a serious moment. We do not get happy for God, you know. And so I remember thinking, oh, no. And, uh, and then the Lord started moving. And um, I remember once being in a church and I saw someone raise their hand. And I thought, oh, I wonder if a deacon knows what they're doing over there. Because this is, this is like serious. 
And uh, God started teaching the congregations around more and more. And worship was very, very rare, the way that we know worship. It was rare in those days. You had somebody doing this. I don't anybody remember those days. And uh, it was it was rare, but even finding worship songs that sang to God and not just about God was rare. Singing to God was, was, was rare. I remember because we got into worship, God, I, got, I met and had this incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I just got on fire for Jesus, got so into worship, and I, I, was, I went to, it was, uh, what was it called back then? It wasn't, um, it's not Mardell's, but it was the, before Mardell. I don't know if they're still around. Joshua, it seems like it was something Joshua. Anyway, there was those kind of chain stores, Christian stores, and I went in there looking for worship and not a single worship CD on the shelf. It's hard to imagine that nowadays. I mean, it was Amy, Amy Grant or, or Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, those were the names back then. And, you had, and they had their album singing about God, but nobody was singing to God. And so I had to write the Vineyard Movement where I knew they had worship and said, do you have worship CDs? And I got to purchase them and I bought this entire set of Touching the Father's Heart series. Remember those CDs? And I bought the entire set. Now, I'm about 20 at the time. I don't know if I had a single friend that would have spent money to buy worship CDs. It was like, you bought what CDs? A whole set of these things. And, uh, and I remember just going through them and learning the songs and learning the names. And it was just this, I was getting so excited. Recently, I was talking to somebody, a young person, and they were complaining about how worship music has become corporate and, and uh, they, they, you know, we go through these seasons our, ourselves, I'm sure, just kind of seeing something you don't like. And, and I said, oh, but if you only knew what you have now, <laughs> I said, we, I said, it might feel corporate oftentimes, but I mean, just to have songs, people singing songs to God that you can access any time, and this is the main genre of Christian music, I said, oh, I said, actually, I know there's a lot of hearts that are probably not right out there, but I remember Paul at one point saying in the scriptures, even if they're teaching about Jesus and their hearts are wrong, you know, at least Jesus is being taught about. Even if your hearts are wrong, you're singing to God, there are people connecting. We live in a wonderful time where worship music is helping to open up the way for so many people to learn to connect with God again. And we can easily take that for granted. We can easily say, oh, this is just something we do and it's become, no, it's not something we just do. This is something that we are, worshipers. We are worshipers. And it's wonderful that more and more, and I love it, that more and more kind of uh, non-charismatic churches, if you want to call them that, are they're being forced into worshiping where they get to open their arms up. And we've been visiting some churches, and I thought, 20 years ago, these churches would have asked you to leave, and now I'm looking around seeing people engaging with the same songs that we're singing in, in more freer-type churches. I was like, God's doing something. This is, this, is, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. It's not like we charismatics have a corner on worship and we want to keep it to ourselves. Oh, Lord, use it to bring many into the very presence of God, learning how to engage with the Holy Spirit who is with us and among his people. Isn't that wonderful? Don't we live in a great time? And I'm really hoping that you're going to get stirred for worship. I was learning, I was thinking about all the, the things that worship has done in my life and wh- how it's really helped me. Probably one that stands out the most is, is learning to deal with my pride. I mean, I absolutely love kind of being in the front dancing 
And we were, whenever I got filled with the Spirit and got excited for Jesus, I started dancing for the Lord and I would come to the front because I just, you know, people would say, the river is up here. Okay, I'm in the river, I'm going. And I would just up for anything. So I'd go to the front and I was dancing. But you can still, still have a measure of pride even in that moment, you know, especially when you catch your shadow on the ground and you're dancing, you're like, okay, how do I look? I'm like, Okay, do, do I look? Oh, no, this, maybe, maybe if I go like, this is not looking very good. And you kind of be very aware. You're still very aware in private. Well, I remember my early 20s, a worship leader came through Dallas and uh, named Kent Henry. Anybody remember Kent Henry? And Kent Henry was there, and about a 1,000 people went to hear Kent Henry do his worship up on stage. And I was down in front dancing and just getting excited, watching, making sure my shadow was still looking okay. Pretty cool. My hair wasn't flopping too much. The, I had a lot of hair back then. And uh, somebody came rushing through, because there was a bunch of us young guys there, and they said, hey, the young guys are going up on stage. They want us to go up on stage and dance on stage. Now, I had no idea what that really meant, and so, but I was up for it, so... Well, at least I, I, I thought I was up for it until we get up on stage only to realize that Kent Henry has brought a worship dance coordinator with him. And we met this guy on stage and he huddles us up into, this, into a quick little huddle and he brings us there and, and he just gives us some quick instructions. He says, just watch what I do, do what I do. And I was like, oh, this is choreographed. Okay, I'm not just going to be doing the holy hop. There's something else going to happen. So I thought, okay, now there's a thousand people out there, and he's going to do something. And I'm thinking, okay, he must know what he's doing, so we're going to follow him. And there was no choice at that point, because you would be the guy that walks off stage like, forget this, I'm not in that. And so he gathers us together, and before I know it, we're in a circle. Only young men in their early 20s. In a circle, we're all holding hands and we're dancing in a circle. And I was like, oh my gosh, how, how has this happened to me dancing? And then before I know it, we're jumping in a circle. So we're doing this kind of thing. We're prancing in a circle and then we come in and then we come out. And every time I am dying inside, I'm just like, oh God, let this end soon. Let this end soon. And then we break apart and then we're doing this one at a time through and through. And I'm just like, Lord, how much more pride you have to take away from me. <laughs> Lord Jesus. And it was in those moments where I'm, I'm realizing that actually it, it, this is good for me. Well, I didn't realize at the time. Only in hindsight do I look. This is good for me. Worship is so good. It helps you just to realize this is not about me. And now I would, I would never do that to anybody. You know, that, that's a little, that's just a little bit next level. But I'm actually grateful for the lesson that, that, that we, I, I got to experience maybe a little bit of what David experienced when he just danced before the, you know, before the altar there, before the Ark of Covenant. Just, God, we, this is awesome. Just that unabandoned, just like it does not matter what anybody else thinks. Imagine being able to just worship and that kind of freedom. Mm. Also, I thought about how worship has brought so much healing into my life. It's a, it's a healer worship. It's amazing. So I, I got filled with the Spirit because I had a brother who came and told me, he said, because we grew up in a very traditional um, situation, he came and told me, he said, Drew, they haven't told us everything. 
I said, what are you talking about? He says, they've, they've not told us everything in the church. I said, like what? He said, like, there's a Holy Spirit. He says, and the, Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit actually fills you. I said, what are you talking about? He says, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he fills you. And he says, like, I can pray for you and you can get filled with the Spirit. He says, do you want me to do that? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. So we're in my bedroom, my dad's bed, my parents' bedroom, and he lays hands on me and the power of God comes and I like fall on the bed. And he's like, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like the Holy Spirit. We, and we got on fire for Jesus. And we got so on fire for Jesus, we were going to every church service we could think, find. We, we were just crazy. This is 95. And uh, just so we were in university. And we were best friends. We moved into the same room because we thought God might visit us. And if he visits one of us, we will make sure the other one is there too. And so we were, <laughs> we were like, and so we actually moved in the same room. We had the same job. We went to the same job. We were telling everybody about Jesus. They were like, who are these people? We, we had the same classes at university. He had stayed back a year. So we were actually in the same grade, same class because he was only one year older than me. And we just got on fire for Jesus. Well, in 1996, February 96, my brother got hit and killed by a drunk driver. Just like, just like that, he was out. And we gathered around his dying body and we laid hands and we prayed. We tried to raise him from the dead. I just knew this was going to be where he was raised from the dead. And his ministry, he had prophecies of being able to heal and he's going to heal lots. And I was like, this is it. He's going to be raised from the dead. And so it was very traumatic. We tried to raise him from the dead and about half an hour into it, we just lifted our hands and started singing we will dance on the streets that are golden. And we just released him to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me later saying, you know, you were praying that he would come back and he was asking to stay. So I decided to answer his prayer instead. And it was a real releasing time. But a year later, I was leading worship at Christ Fellowship in Denton. And it was actually on his birthday, August, uh, sorry, uh, January 10th, on his birthday. So I'm leading worship, and in my worship set was a delirious song called uh, Find Me in the River. I don't know if you remember that song. And we get to, I get to the one I'm leading. I have, I'm not connecting th that this could potentially be an emotional day. And I get to the line, we didn't count on suffering, we didn't count on pain. And I just burst into tears, like uncontrollable, demonstratively ugly tears. I, I could not play, and I literally fell, collapsed to my knees in uncontrollable, and the whole church was just like, what do we do now? Our worship leader's just gone down. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows why I'm praying, and they just stopped, and the elders and leaders just gathered around me and just prayed not knowing what was going on. And in the middle of worship, God was healing me, healing my heart, healing my heart. Worship's powerful. Worship is powerful. It's incredible. African tribes understand the power of worship. What's beautiful when you go to a funeral, particularly like a Zulu funeral, the Zulus are the biggest population where we lived, and you go to an African Zulu funeral, and they, they sing continually, nonstop, from the beginning 
all the way through. Like when someone stands up to do a eulogy, is announced to come do the eulogy, they sing an entire, they all stand up and just sing the song. They sing him up to the stage and they sing and they sing at the end and they sing and they, uh, we once asked, what are, why do you sing so much? They say, oh, Zulu's we, we worship our heartache away. It's like, wow, we worship our heartache away. They knew how to worship. They knew that actually there was a future hope and we're gonna fix our eyes on the future hope. Worship's powerful. Worship's anchors us in our past, in our present, in our future, giving us hope. So what is worship? When we think of worship, of course we think of singing songs, but we know, if you've been around, you know it's more than that. We know we're talking about a lifestyle. If I were to give it a phrase, try to sum it up, I would probably use these words. If you look on the screen, you'll see it. Worship is the declaration in words and deeds that God alone is worthy. Now, this is an addition that most maybe not be, be, may not be familiar with, but these, he's also trustworthy. And I'm gonna unpack that a little bit later so I can show you how important that is in worship. But it's a declaration in, in words and deeds that God alone is worthy and trustworthy. Now, some might say, well, where's the word love in that? Isn't it the expression of love? You know, God's worthy of your worship whether you love him or not. There are days when I get up and I, and I think, okay, I, God, I, I, I'm not sure if I like you at the moment. Like, I love is, I mean, we're still working this out because I'm really upset and in my spirit I know, but despite that, you are worthy of my worship. You ever read the Psalms? You ever see, don't you ever wonder why David is just like pouring his heart out and he's like, God, everybody around me is doing great and he's moaning, complaining, complaining, but I will still praise you. I'll still praise you. Oh, it's wonderful whenever we, when we can get to that place of just worshiping God because of just the love that we have. And of course, that's first prize, as they say in South Africa. That's first prize. But I tell you, whether you feel it or not, he's still worthy of your worship. Declaration of words and deeds. Let's unpack that. Worship is a declaration of wor- words and deeds. Hebrews 13, 15, 16, this is, what, this is where I get this from. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips. There's your worship in words. And the acknowledge, that acknowledge his name. But then it says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Wow. All of a sudden, we see the deeds of worship coming out. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Words and deeds. That's what the Lord's looking for. Often the starting place, obviously, is whenever we offer up our praises to God, our hearts, often even out of the mouth, you know, the heart speaks. And you're conditioning your heart to speak the truth of God, your mouth and your heart and your whole body to line up. And then we see deeds flow from that place. My journey with that has been to, I I made a decision at some point and I said, okay, it was an actual choice. And I said, every time we gather to worship corporately, I will not keep my hands in my pocket. 
I decided I'm going, I'm going to engage with, with words and with deeds, with my whole body. I'm going to raise hands whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to engage because he's worthy. Whether I feel like it or not, he's worthy. And so I'm going to worship. And I had to make that, I almost had to make that decision early on. So whenever I did have a hard day, I still stuck with it. I still, I still said, no, but this is, this is what I, I've agreed to. And I decided, I refused to stand. I, re, I decided I'm not going to see others give worship to God, but, but not me. And, I, and it's almost like the kind of, you know, the, the rocks will clap their hands if you don't worship him. I thought, there's no way rocks are going to clap if I'm around. <laughs> They're not clapping today. I'm the clapper. I'm the one who's going to give worship to Jesus. I'm going to sing at the top of my voice. I'm going to offer up God my whole life and declare it. Even if I got tears running down my face, you, God, have it all. You have it all again. Before that, sorry, let me just say more than, more than that. I, I think this has probably been, was one of the biggest shifts in my understanding of worship. I used to think that God was there, out there, and, and I'm over here, and, and he's kind of do my worship, and I'm going to give worship that's due to him. And there was almost like this idea that we're separate in this act of worship, only to realize that the Holy Spirit lives within me. It's the Holy Spirit crying out to worship with God. So whenever I enter into worship, I am partnering with God himself. This isn't a separate thing. I am, my, whole, my whole spirit is intermingling with the Spirit of God crying out. I'm actually, through worship, accessing the Trinity. It's, you, know, the, you know the Trinity is, is in, in worship. Like, Jesus, you're amazing. God, you're amazing. Holy Spirit, you're amazing. And they kind of, they just, they, there's this, this holy worship between the, the Trinity. And, uh, and, and, and not to mention the saints and the, that have gone before and the angels and all the creatures out there, up there, wherever it is. And they're gathered around and I realize I'm accessing and I'm stepping into the very being of God. I mean, that's mind-blowing. God himself, I'm entering in through worship. That's the access to it. It's not this separate thing. And that was a game changer for me. I tell you, worship went to a whole nother level of realizing, whoa, I'm, whoa, this is like, I'm right here among the trinity of worship of all the angels and the saints. God brings us in, not because of anything I've done, only because I am in Christ, because of who he is. I'm there with him. Isn't that awesome? So then it began to spill out into my everyday life. And I started realizing, wait a minute, why do I have to wait till church whenever I can actually start to praise God? Whether it's a worship CD, I bought the whole set, continue to do, this, to do those things. Or whether it's even, I, I love, I absolutely love nature and I love birds. I became a bird watcher. They call us twitchers. In, in South Africa, and there's this one particular bird called a sunbird that's beautiful, looks a little bit like a hummingbird, and whenever it would light upon a flower, I just found myself having to say, God, you're amazing. I just, like, I was compelled to say, this is stunning. God, you did this. This is amazing. And guess what? I saw more and more sunbirds all the time. <laughs> it's like, oh, you like that? Let me show you this one. Let me show you that. God, yeah, this is really good. Oh, you did And God's like, okay, oh, look at this one. Look at this one. Yeah. And I'm just in this, wow, this is amazing. And this, this, this recognition that I'm now, I'm actually walking with the Holy Spirit. Worship's a part of my life. 
in the declaration in my words and deeds that how amazing he is. And when someone comes and says, hey, God's really moved in my life, guess what comes out of me? Worship. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? God is so good. We're, we're tapping into a lifestyle of seeing God move words and deeds. But then worship is a declaration that God is worthy. Now, I'm going to take you to Revelation now. You can open up your Bibles, if you will, Revelation 4, 8 to 11. And the reason we got to come here is because, you know, worship did not start with the Levites and the tabernacle. It did, it, that's not where it started. It, 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 it did not, was not invented by David, although we have all the Psalms, the temple. No, it wasn't there. The New Testament church didn't come up with it. It did it didn't manifest, maybe I should say this to some of us that are a little bit older, it didn't manifest with the piano or the organ. Like the organ does not have, a, have, a, you know, have, its, have its, the worship doesn't have its origin in the organ. Or now the guitar and drums for the new generation. You don't have to, you don't have, to have a guitar and drums for worship. And I love Maverick City, Upper Room, Bethel, Elevation, but there's an even cooler place where we get to see worship. And it's right here in, in, in Revelation 4. I want to read this from the ESV here. Revelation 4, 8 to 11 says this, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, why don't we say this together? Can you read this next? Just this refrain. Here we go. Let's sing it. Say it together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Let me continue reading. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. So he's worthy to receive those things for you created all things, and by your will, they were created. Let's just hone in real quick on that refrain. I won't be able to unpack this whole thing for you, but let's just look at this second refrain. Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Whose glory and honor and power are they? is he worthy to receive? Oh. Yeah, ours, theirs, any created thing. He's worthy of the honor and power and glory. You ever speak with a really genuinely godly older person and you say things like, oh, you have such a beautiful family and it's like knee-jerk reaction. They say, oh, I know God has been so faithful, so wonderful. Immediately, oh, no, this isn't my crown to wear. I'm gonna cast this crown down before the Lord Jesus. It's like they don't even know they're saying it. I once asked a friend, why is it that the most godly people I know are old he said, because it takes a life, lifetime to finally realize that this lifetime is not about you. It's not about you. Worship helps you realize that quicker, gets you to that place quicker. This is not about me. My crown's at your feet, oh God. Because we can make it about us. And you know what happens when people receive the glory instead of give it the glory? They, they implode. You don't have to go very far Check social media. You go some. You just look on the line. You could just remember all of the greats of our worldly greats, 
in the day that would receive the glory and you just see that they would just crash and burn. Famous people crashing and burning. Marriages crashing and burning, crashing and burning all the time over and over and over again. We even have a recent analogy that we could, you know, I, I hesitate because we all love Simone Biles. My daughter's a gymnast and loves Simone Biles. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to say. But, but there, was a, there was an imploding. And I wonder if it had to do, I want to know if you know Simone. Let's just look at this photo here for a second. She's got a goat bedazzled on all of her leotards. You know what that goat stands for? G-O-A-T? It stands for the greatest of all time. In an interview in 2019, she says, I'm not shy. I'm going to claim it. I'm the greatest of all time. And you just wonder if that catches up to you after a while. Oh, look at me. I'm the greatest of all time. It, it's a dangerous place to be. Now, I'm not sure, you know, if she was right or wrong to pull out of the Olympics. I mean, people are still debating that. But I do know that she was under the weight of her own glory. And that's a difficult thing for anybody to bear. If you want to actually learn how to last the distance, whether it's in your business or your family, whatever, become a worshiper. Because you were not made to receive glory. You were made to give it. And if you take it, you implode every time. That's what we were made to do. Then lastly, worship is the declaration that God is trustworthy. You ever been in court before? Whenever the judge comes in, what do we do? We all rise. We all rise. You wonder where that comes from? Well, you know, the judge used to walk in with the Bible in his hand. And we would rise to declare that there is no higher authority right now coming in with, this, with the word of God is coming in. There's no higher authority. And it was like a, a unified declaration that we can put our trust in the authority of this court because the authority of God is here. That's what it was. You can put your trust in that higher power. You ever wonder what Adam and Eve did for worship? Did they dance and clap? And I, I, They probably did. I imagine they were a happy couple. I mean, they got to walk around without any clothes. I imagine that, you know, that was probably something to celebrate, you know, back, back in the day, yeah, before the fall. But you know, we don't know really. I, I, you know, there's things that you say and then you realize that you're on live. Okay. It's like, oh God. It's that humbling process again. Thank you, Jesus. Still working on me. But we do know that their worship was to put their trust in God. That was their act of worship. I trust you. And whenever the enemy came and gave them the lie, which is, by the way, the greatest lie that he's been giving you your entire life. It's the mother of all lies. It's the lie that God cannot be trusted. It's the lie you've been wrestling with your whole life from, from early on. It's the lie the enemy gets us. Every sin, every idolatry is based on that lie that God cannot be trusted. It's that lie of unbelief that he can't be trusted. It's that, that, that position of unbelief. Every lie. And the enemy comes and says, God can't be trusted. But you know something else can be trusted. In other words, don't put your worship here. Put your worship over here. Remember when he came to, say, uh, to Jesus? Satan came to Jesus. He says, oh, no, no, I'll give you all of this. You can trust me. Just bow down. Trusting is an act of worship. It's possibly the greatest act of worship. To say, I trust you with my life, that's what we call salvation. 
I trust you with my family. I trust you with my work. I trust you. I'm putting my trust because you are trustworthy. And as soon as we put our trust in something else, that's called idolatry. That's the worship of something else. Trust. The previous refrain said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now that holy, holy, holy is their way of saying he is very, very holy. You know, when you repeat something three times, it's like he's very, very holy. Don't you love that it's again a Trinitarian reference there? Holy, holy, holy. I love you see Trinity everywhere. And it says, Lord God Almighty. Those are actually the three Hebrew names for God there. The Lord, we know is Yahweh, God, Elohim, Almighty, El Shaddai. Trinity again. And then he gets another reference to Trinity, who was and is and is to come, just the threes again. Every time, threes. And that should now bring up some thoughts in your mind, like Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was and is and is to come. Or James 1.17, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, the Father of lights, whom there is no variation, no changing at all, like a shadow. He doesn't do that. He's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was and is and is to come. And if you can just get a hold of that in your everyday, he was. You know what it means to say he was? It's to remember what God has done. That's an act of worship, to remember what the Lord has done. God told the Israelites, remember what's been done and tell it over and over again. Every time you tell your story of what God has done in you or what God has done in your people, even the Israelites, because those are your people too, were grafted in. Every time you tell the story of God or what he has done, you are worshiping. Do you tell the story of God around your table? Bring worship into your conversation at the dinner table and remember, tell the story. He was. Because that helps us then to realize that he's faithful, but he's faithful today. He is. He's not just the God who was. He is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And you walk with him, as I was describing a little bit earlier, when you start to engage and realize that I'm walking with him. And thanksgiving is probably the best. Remembering, declaring what he's done. Thanksgiving of, Lord, thank you for what I have right here in front of me, what I'm seeing, what I'm going through, what this is. That's an engaging exercise. It's an engaging moment with God who is. He is. C.S. Lewis says, it is in the process of being worshiped that God communicates his presence to men. Whenever you are engaging with the God who is and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're walking with me. You're right here right now. It's all of a sudden, it's like you're opening yourself up for him to, to, to communicate his presence with you and his leading and guiding in your life. You can access the God who is every single day. It's what he gives us. I, and then lastly there, who is to come. This phrase reminds me of the Zulu funerals. Who is to come? It's not done yet. It's not over. He's still coming. Think of anything that you're facing right now. And you think, well, I don't have resolution. Well, it's not done yet. He's coming. You know that phrase from the, the best Mary, what was the best hotel Marigold Hotel, and there was this, in that movie, the, the young Indian boy says, uh, you know, if, if it's all going to work out in the end, and if it doesn't, the end isn't here yet. <laughs> it's all going to work out in the end if it doesn't. 
But what we could say is, it's all going to work out when God comes in a fuller way. But we get to say, but the reason we can say that is because he was. We've seen it already happen that way. He is, he's with us, he's already come. But in whatever circumstance you're facing, he is there. He's there before you are. You are actually meeting him in that difficulty. He's not meeting you in your difficulty. He's there already. If you'll realize he is to come in every situation, especially for eternity. You tell yourself when fear arises that, wait a minute, God's still coming in a fuller measure. He is to come. You're worshiping. You're worshiping. I'd love for you to just close your eyes for a moment as we, as we engage with God himself as a response. Because I, I just told you that God is here, God is with you. He was and is. And he is to come. It'd be such a shame now if we don't get to just talk with him. Enter into the presence of God. Because you don't, you don't leave here now out of the presence of God. You leave here with the presence of God. And wherever you go, when you go home, he's already there. So phenomenal. How thorough, how complete, how all-consuming God is. And that he's given us worship to access him at all times. I want to just invite you now as you start to apply this to your own life. I want to invite you to take that moment that I mentioned, that moment that's difficult for you, and just say, Lord, you're still coming. I want to have an act of worship by placing my trust in a God that can be trusted. Break the lie. Break, don't let the enemy tell you the lie. Don't bow the knee to another idol. Say no. I'm putting my trust. So you know what it is. Maybe just think for a moment. What is it? Put it in your mind. What is that thing? That thing that's just got you turned up inside. Give it to God in worship. I trust you. You might even want to say those actual words. Lord, I trust you. I declare with my words that you are trustworthy. He is. Can we say that in our hearts right now? He is. He was. He is. And he is to come. Let's stand together.